Hello, and welcome to Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I'm Steph, and together with my co-hosts Abby, Jen, and Nicole, we'll be re-watching and discussing episodes of Avatar each week. This week, we'll be talking about Book 1, Chapter 14, The Fortune Teller. From Wikipedia, in this episode, Katara, Aang, and Sokka go into a village that relies solely on the predictions of a fortune teller, Aunt Wu. Sokka is skeptical and refuses to believe anything the fortune teller says and tries to disprove all the predictions she makes. Katara, on the other hand, is obsessed and keeps returning to the fortune teller for more predictions on her love life. Aang, who has become smitten with Katara, attempts to attract her attention throughout with limited success. Eventually, he attempts to fetch a rare flower from the lip of a nearby volcano, which is revealed to be on the verge of erupting, a direct contradiction to Aunt Wu's predictions. Katara and Aang use waterbending to manipulate the clouds as a warning to the villagers, and the group manages to evacuate the village before the volcano erupts. As the lava comes toward the town, Aang pushes it back with strong airbending, causing Sokka to comment that Aang is a quote-unquote powerful bender. This catches Katara's attention as Aunt Wu had earlier predicted that she would marry a powerful bender. So what's everyone's opinion on fortune telling? I like the idea of it. In general? In Like in real, in real life, the practice. Like, do you believe in it at all? I don't. Not really. I think it's it's a fun thing to use as guidelines. Like I've mm-hmm. been reading tarot for fun since high school. Yeah. But I feel like it's fun to just give you something to meditate on. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, it forces you to find like a parallel in your life. Right. So I feel like it shouldn't be taken as literally as I feel like people take it. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it can be fun. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. I like tarot. I like astrology, but I don't take it as seriously as they did in this episode. And that's period in me Mm -hmm. but I do think it's fun and I do think it calls out almost like the manifestation element kind of Mm -hmm. thing like if you do believe in something I do think that putting that energy out into the world actually does something so I was just say this episode made me want to get my fortune told I've never actually had it done Mm. but I don't know I guess in my opinion I am very aligned with you guys where I think it shouldn't be taken as gospel what someone says to you I actually interpreted a lot of the fortune telling in this episode to be kind of what is it like self-actualization not self-actualization self-fulfilling prophecies Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. self-fulfilling prophecies because everything she predicted came true yeah but like Sokka pointed out so much of it was self-fulfilled like the guy wearing the shoes Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So like, I do think that that's more my take on it. Where like, if you get a prediction, and you want to work towards that, you have to actually do things Mm -hmm. for it. And I feel like that's even a difference between what we were talking about when we were saying what we like and this episode where of course, she was predicting a lot of very literal events, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. it's like, if anybody tries to tell you that kind of stuff today in 2020, (laughs) which is in general, it's just like, that's kind of a load of BS. But again, I feel like taking it as more just guidelines for life or just things yeah. to meditate on, things to think about and ponder about in your own life for like your own self-development is like a big difference. Yeah. Instincts. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I definitely want to get my fortune told or something. Next time we go to the Ren Fair, we'll go over there. I'm kind of like, ooh, this seems like it'd be fun. I mean, for me, it's funny because it's like, I'm not a religious person at all. Yeah. But it's like this kind of stuff's just like, who doesn't want to dabble in weird shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was so into astrology. Oh, in college, you were super Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in high school and college, I was so into it. And I still check my horoscope. I do too. Mm. Uh, but you use the horoscope you've always used? Or do you use your horoscope under that, like, the actual star you were born under science thing? No. No. Science <laughs> does not have a place here. No. <laughs> Nor does it appear in this episode either. I am a Taurus, and therefore... <laughs> Science appears in this episode only to get immediately shit on. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Saka. Can your oh, science man. explain why it rains? Yes, yes it can! can. <laughs> you, you know what that made me think of? Do you guys remember um, Tide Goes In, Tide Goes Out? You can't explain that. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. I don't know this story. <laughs> who, was that? who was that? Bill O'Reilly? Oh my god, I don't remember. Maybe someone was trying to say like God exists, and here's proof. Yeah, tide goes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that, and then everybody. Yeah, like, yes, oh it was like like a conservative pundit. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, like man. It, it was an unfortunate person before everything became very unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like that's like the big difference between watching this episode as a kid versus now where it was just like, I was like so uncomfortable this whole episode. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't help but extrapolate real world things in this episode. 
Yeah. I know every episode we were just talking about this before, but we were talking Uh about how, you know, obviously we're more politically aware than we were in high school Mm -hmm. and we can't separate those things and the parallels and the things that we, we see in the show. And this episode for me was like, especially painful. Yeah. 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 That's, I was, I actually wrote this down. I was like, when Sokka said someone really needs to scream some sense into them, Sokka is that scientist who's on Twitter arguing with every single (laughs) science-denying person. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's an argument in this universe that where spirits exist. And, like, Mm. I mean, bending isn't magic, but it's, like, magic-ish. It's also, like, spirit-based. That fortune-telling could be real and accurate. I mean, Aunt Wu was never wrong about anything she predicted. Yeah. And, like, with Aang, she was like, oh, my God, you're going to be involved in a fight that determines the fate of the whole world. And he's, like, immediately like, yeah, and I know. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not why I'm here. But um, that scene confused me because did she just know that he's the Avatar and just, like... I don't think she was scamming anyone. Yeah. I think 100% she believes in everything that she's telling people. Like, yeah, I interpreted it that the fortune telling was correct. Like a lot of it is self-fulfilling where she told that guy he's going to meet his true love when he's wearing those red shoes. So mm-hmm. he wears them every day. So of course it's going to come true. But like, I don't know. She wasn't wrong about anything. And I don't think that she's trying to scam anyone because she yeah. also doesn't charge anyone for her predictions. Yeah, They said that. I mean, the Avatar extras says she gets repaid by food and like flavors mm-hmm. which makes sense but Katara said it herself at the start she acknowledged even that there's a lot of unexplained phenomenon in their world and there mm-hmm. are yeah and like those were real types of fortune telling too the yeah. bone thing is real yeah I think it just ties back to the self-manifestation then because mm-hmm. these things are so vague and general except for the instances where she's literally telling Katara how many kids she's having like mm-hmm. if you believe it enough maybe you're motivated enough to make it happen like the guy mm-hmm. with the shoes or right I don't know the weather thing kind of annoyed me because Sokka's like the, the sky's been gray all day of course it's gonna rain like I, I don't know I guess like I kind of feel the same way about it that I well I do think she has some sort of power or like ability to read stuff is how I interpreted it that it's not a scam and she's not faking everybody yeah I kind of felt like she interprets the signs right and that Mm -hmm. it's pun intended it's not a perfect science Mm -hmm. kind of thing right but she interprets it to the best of her abilities and Mm -hmm. yeah like as vague as some of them might be or as spot on as they are it's just like it is what it is yeah yeah it's literally like don't shoot the middle person it's like don't don't come after the medium Mm -hmm. like she's just like the Mm -hmm. she's she's the bridge between worlds if you will Mm -hmm. yeah and I think about it too in the way that we were talking about it in the real world where it's like a good not like a guideline to like literally live your life by where some of these people take it as such gospel that that guy wears those red shoes every day oh my god and katara i don't even like papaya i was like bitch what are you doing (laughs) i know i'm like then you don't need to get the papaya and like obviously aunt Wu just said papaya because she was like fed up yeah that was so funny (laughs) but like you can take what she says and then kind of make it happen like that self-fulfilling thing i think is an important aspect of kind of like the point of the episode the very last thing she tells to ang where she's like you have the power to shape your own destiny yeah yeah so it's like you don't want to like Sokka wasn't 100 percent right in the episode and neither was the people who believe in aunt Wu were not 100 percent right Mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle is how i took the episode yeah i did also hate that guy though (laughs) <laughs> when Sokka oh, at the end, God. he was like, I hate you. And I was like, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, science and reason lover. Yes. I felt guilty because I was like, I bet you the message would have been better received if it had come from anybody but Sokka. Yeah. Because he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't go about sharing information in a nice way. And and no. again, it's like her prediction of him. His struggle <laughs> is self-inflicted. The struggle he's going to have in his life is like his own fault. And it's like, yeah, Sokka, like you just don't know how to deliver information and news and, and to get people on board. It's not until later in the show that he has enough clout Mm -hmm. that people take him seriously. But it's like right now he still hasn't proven himself in like most ways. Mm -hmm. He's getting there. He's had, you know, he's had moments like the Jet episode, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just antagonizing I feel like that was it. Which is not going to make them. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like the boy who cried wolf a little bit. Where he just kept trying to tell them they were wrong. And the episode started off that way. Yeah. And he was being so like mocking about it. Yeah. 
you know, like people just like to be like, obviously astrology is fake. Why do people even read it? People who read it are dumb. And I'm like, I read it because it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And I like to think about what it's saying. Like, I don't take it as like gospel. Yeah, I saw a thing. This is like a very gendered take, I'll acknowledge. But I saw a funny thing on Twitter where it was like, fantasy football is astrology for men or whatever. (laughs) And like, it just made me laugh. But I feel like, you know, there is probably a component to that, too, where it's like stuff geared more towards women is is viewed as more frivolous and whatnot. Mm. But it was nice that Aang was so embracing of it. Oh, yeah. It was cute that like he was like, oh, I don't care about like the saving the world warrior stuff. Like, I want to know about love. And she was like, you do. And I feel like this is an episode where like it really keyed into me that. Like, one of the reasons I really like Aang as a protagonist is because I feel like he's not like your typical male protagonist. Like, he's more in touch with his feminine side, if mm-hmm. I if that's even, like, the right way to phrase it. Mm. But it's like, he, you know, he's more sensitive. And, yeah. yeah, he has, like, qualities that are typically considered more feminine. Even at the beginning, he makes Katara the necklace, mm-hmm. which is so cute. And then Sokka's like, oh, great. Well, at least you have a, a second Karu to fall back on. And Aang was just like, yeah, why not both? Like, that sounds great. And it's like, he completely meant it. And I was like, that's so fucking cute and charming. Oh my gosh. His little jump that he did when he overheard that Katara was going to marry a powerful bender. I was like, this is adorable. He's so cute. He is really cute. He's not this like machismo, gung-ho, like warrior guy. Like he's just a a sweet kid that toxic masculinity hasn't destroyed yet. Love that. Yes. No, that actually, your entire thing just now reminded me of something I used to say about in a different fandom, like superhero fandom stuff, Mm -hmm. where I was like, so often the superhero main characters, like these vigilantes and stuff, they're always all hard and dark and they're like, I have to be alone. That's Mm -hmm. the way it has to be because I'm just so dark and sad. And like all the side characters are always like, no, let us be your friends. Let us help you. And they're like, no, I have to push you away. (laughs) And then Aang is on the other side of it ang is like one of the main like centers of his Mm -hmm. friend group he's always trying to make connections with people and help them and like the power of friendship kind of yeah and like there's a little bit of well he's the avatar so he has to do it but i feel like ang is very aware of the fact that it's the people around him who help him and make him strong Mm yeah as opposed to yeah exactly what i just said yeah yeah I was going to quote Kingdom Hearts, be like, my friends are my power. But I was like, is that too deep a cut? (laughs) It's only nerds listening to this podcast anyway, so go for it. I feel like, too, because he's still young. I feel like he's at that age where if he was in a classroom setting, he would be like the first boy who started having a crush. And it's like there's like that weird period of time where like the first boys that start having crushes on girls get teased for liking girls before that becomes more than the norm in like, you know, in a heteronormative context. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just like, good for you. Like wanting this girl to like you and like wanting to try to do things to like actually earn her love and respect and whatnot. He was so cute this whole episode. Except when he was yeah. trying to act like he doesn't care. He's like, oh, you know me. I don't care what Katara I- Tara had to, like, completely wreck him. <laughs> she was like, oh. oh, Aang is just a good friend. A cute little guy. Like, Momo. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Aang. Because then there was Sokka. Smoochie, smoochie. <laughs> yeah, smoochie, smoochie. But, like, Sokka acting like he knows anything about- <laughs> girls at attracting all? a partner yeah oh my god you have to stay aloof flowers are good after you're married i'm like Sokka, what are you even talking about <laughs> yeah you don't the even have flowers you know. in the southern water tribe like what yeah. is yo you're right <laughs> the only girl he knows is his sister <laughs> Sokka, did you even know what a flower was two months ago <laughs> okay. yeah what is the, the line from a previous episode katara's just like I know Grand Grand. Yeah. <laughs> grand Grand. I know Grand Grand. <laughs> Ross is like, yeah, I was like, Sokka, like, you really have to stop acting like you have all this, like, worldly experience when we know that you've been in this very, very small tribe for a very, very long time. And what I think is hilarious is when he does meet girls that he likes, that is not what he does at all. He is, like, yeah. the opposite of aloof. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, can't even follow his own advice. Oh, man. I wrote in my notes his advice. After I wrote, you have to act like you're aloof and you don't care. I wrote, he's not wrong. Because that reminded me of, like, the Jet episode where it's, like, where we're socialized Mm. to, like, want what we can't have. And that just makes it Mm. more feeling. So I see where he's coming from. But that's definitely a young perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, like, you don't want me, then too bad. Like, I'll move on. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And to counter that, I forgot that Aang actually straight up does confess to Katara in this episode and then she doesn't hear him. I forgot that that happened so early that he recognized that he had deeper feelings for her. I forgot about it too. So when he said it, I was like, oh. And I was like, also, this is your moment. This is the moment (laughs) you pick in a crowd. I don't know. He sees the moment. (laughs) This episode is very funny. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. A lot of comedy. And the whole like Mang, Ang, Katara dynamic was so funny when she's like, that cloud looks like a flower. And he's like, that's nice. Katara. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he pushed her so hard. (laughs) Hey, Katara, that cloud kind of looks like a flower. I just was like, oh my God, that poor girl. Poor Mang. And then at the end, she's like, oh, I stalked you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's like, uh, th- thanks. Yeah. And she calls Katara a floozy. Like, oh, yeah. Yo, I didn't like that. I didn't like it either. I was like, yo, we have evolved since this came out. Yeah. We do not do that to other women. No. <laughs> not at all. Well, she is like, however old. Yeah, and she's I meant know. to be. Yeah. But I liked that she and Aang got to have like a cute moment. I mean, she did then immediately admit that she was stalking him the yeah. whole day. Not cute. Not a good look, girls. Not a good look. <laughs> yeah. I also, it was funny because the reason Meng was going after Aang, of course, was because... Oh, the big ears. Yeah, Aunt Wu said that her husband would have big ears. And then it was really funny. It was almost like a follow-up joke from previous episodes where Sokka was making fun of Aang for having big ears. And it's like, Sokka had gotten his feelings hurt really bad when Katara said his ears were like elephant ears. Yes. Literally, like, that line happened. I said out loud, I was like, wow, big words from a giant eared Cretan. Your ears are used for shade by herds of animals. Elephants get together and make fun of how big your ears are. Damn. Oh my god, so funny. Is that a running joke? Like, we need to see if, like, big ears are constantly talked about. I hope so. Steph, you were going to share info about Meng? I was. Meng is voiced by Jesse Flower, who also voices Toph. Yay! Yay! Because they liked what she did so much in the episode, I guess. They're like, Mm -hmm. let's turn that up to, like, an 11. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I forgot about that. So when I was watching the episode the first time, I was like, oh, her voice sounds so familiar. And I couldn't put my finger on it until I was reading stuff later. Mm. Yeah, this was another one, too, where even the guy, uh, the guy at the beginning sounded very familiar the one who was like dodging the platypus bear mm-hmm. um oh my god and then just shout out to appa the way that they oh, yeah. framed that it's almost like they used uh miko and i were talking about how they used like a lens air quotes mm-hmm. make him just appear that much more massive behind this creature mm-hmm. um it was just really funny but um i saw that aunt Wu was voiced by sai chin or irene chow also a Chinese American actress. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was involved in like the Peking opera in China or her family was or her parents might have been. So it's like maybe even like Mike and Brian, like the directors might have been aware of her or at least like just trying to find, you know, a bunch of like older Asian actors and actresses to fill out the cast, which is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, this is also a great segue because we brought up the platypus bear. Ooh. So yeah. animal facts. The platypus bear is a large mammal native to the forests and valleys of the Earth Kingdom, where it typically resides near rivers. Wild platypus bears have an aggressive nature and are prone to accidentally laying eggs when frightened. And I'm like, how does that work? I, I don't understand. Like, an egg has to be fertilized. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. That was my animal fact. I also yeah. fact about the setu fish, but it is just a fish. Oh, fish. Just a fish. It's not just a fish. It's an amazing fish. It taunts them. It <laughs> it did look directly it into Sokka's eyes. Literally, like, before Sokka actually said the line, I looked at the fish's face and I was like, it's taunting them. And so then Sokka immediately was like, he's taunting us. <laughs> uh, were the geese just regular geese? Yeah, they were just ducks. 
Yeah. I say they had like the little turkey thing on their beak, but I was just like, oh, is this just like, it's like a turkey duck hybrid. And the only turkey element was like the little red little nose thingy that hangs there. Yeah, I noticed that. To be fair, I didn't yeah. look them up. Because I just assumed that, I don't know, it's... They just looked like a normal... Yeah. Yeah. It has, like, the hybrid animals, and then it has, like, the non. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They slowly have less and less non-hybrid animals as the show goes on, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I got so mad. This is sort of related, but um, the YouTube channel Honest Trailers recently did an Avatar The Last Airbender Honest Trailer, and they were like, yeah. oh, all these hybrid animals. Let's not think too much about that. And it's just like, it's not because two animals had sex and they had a, a hybrid. Like, sometimes the jokes are like, it's like, you know, I was just like, that joke annoyed me because I was like, that's not even, like, accurate to the world. Yeah. That's not how it works. So I was like annoyed at that, but oh well, I would be too. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of like funny moments with those like duck slash geese. Yeah, I feel like they were like everywhere in the town. Mm-hmm. Once I started looking for them, but not even just the one attacking Sokka. Oh my god, he like crawls out of the seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, just like when the one like quack just like that patronizes egg. Egg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After, like, a really long pause, that was really Mm -hmm. funny. Yeah. Oh, poor Sokka. Yeah. The comedy in this episode is so good, and so I wrote down, like, a bunch of the moments I thought were funny, and it was, like, Sokka and the fish, Sokka and the rain, Sokka and the egg, Sokka and the goose. (laughs) Oh, man. That egg probably hurt very bad when it hit his head. Yeah, I felt bad. I was like, how are you not dead? I feel like your neck should have snapped just now. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was sad because that egg would have tasted so good. Right? Like how much of it there was if they had hard boiled Mm -hmm. it. It would have been so good. A giant omelet. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I was mostly like, ew, that's gross. When he was like, yes, food. But yeah. People eat ostrich eggs. Yeah. That also reminded me of the other food that was like in this was the bean curd bean cream curd puffs. Puff. Bean curd oh, puffs. Yeah. I was so confused because in the bowl, it looked like tofu. And then the sound when Sokka was eating it and then when Momo stole it, it was like crunchy. And I was like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. I don't think they understood either because that makes no sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> they said like, oh, bean curd puffs. So mm-hmm. I was under the impression that they were going to be more like a stuffed bread. I don't know why. I imagine like a souffle almost. Um, but like a cream puff, you know? And then when they came out, like, they just didn't look like anything. And I was just like, what are we doing? I mean, I assumed it was some sort of, um, like a crispy fried, probably air inside, even though it's tofu, like, spongy kind of deal. Yeah, because yeah. I guess bean curd, you could interpret that as tofu, technically. That's what I assumed it was. Yeah. I feel like I did not think of bean curd as tofu for a long time. And then I noticed that like sometimes when I would want to order tofu from restaurants, it would be listed as bean curd. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> now I just think of them as the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, the puffs is what sure. threw me off. It looked like regular tofu. And then the, when they ate it, it sounded like fried tofu. And I was just like, as someone who overanalyzes animated food, because I want to always eat animated food. I don't know how I would go about trying to find this or recreate this. Okay, so bean curd is tofu. Yeah. Um, so it's probably just like some sort of fried tofu puffs. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but apparently they were delicious. Yeah. Um, like cheese puffs, except tofu. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's just funny, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was funny, too, because it's not, like, a translation issue. Because I remember there were, like, early episodes of Pokemon and, like, the dub of One Piece, you know, where, like, in Pokemon is very famous for translating onigiri and, like, rice balls. And Brock is holding it up and he just straight up calls it a jelly donut. And, like, that's yeah, almost yeah. become a meme. And in One Piece, <laughs> they really badly, they edited out the onigiri to make it look like cookies. So, like, food has always been, like, a funny thing in animation. Or, or at least, like, in, I guess, like, mm-hmm. anime or, like like, you know, Japanese animation. Yeah. So it's just like, it's funny when this is like, this is what they named it and then this is what they made it. And I was like, whatever. I guess they meant it this way. <laughs> they meant it to be the way it was. <laughs> oh, man. So there was nothing about the geese in anything on the Avatar wiki. So I'm saying that it's just a normal bird. Yeah. I, I mean, so. it makes sense. They did look just kind of normal, just with that one little, like you mentioned, Jen. Yeah. The, whatever that is. Maybe there are even like species of geese that like have that too. 
Who knows? Could be. Yeah. I'm not very well versed in birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta brush up on my bird facts. <laughs> Your bird facts. Uh, Katara, this was an episode where I feel like she should have annoyed me. And I say that like mm-hmm. regretfully, but she didn't. I mean, it was just more funny than anything else. I thought it was endearing. Yeah. Like, if I was her age, I'd also be like, tell me literally everything you know. <laughs> yeah. It was funny, like how much it just kept happening. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I wrote a line in my notes where it says, Katara, comma, literally what the fuck is wrong with you? So she... <laughs> so that has remained consistent. Just thought I'd share that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> On, like, a random stylistic note, I mm. liked how Sokka and Aang, when they took off their shoes, had bare feet. And Katara, when she takes off her shoes is wearing some sort of, like, stockings, or maybe she just keeps socks on. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's just, I don't know, it was cute somehow to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, maybe I noticed I that, too. Maybe like, their feet is always just a sign of perfect domesticity, <laughs> even though they were not in a house. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, I thought it was interesting. This episode has those twins, right? Yeah. And then one of them is a bender, and one is not. Mm-hmm. which uh, they put in, I think, specifically to show that bending is not 100% like based on genetics. Yeah. Um, but I didn't notice this myself, admittedly. Someone on Reddit, I think, pointed it out that the one of them that is an earthbender wasn't wearing shoes and the one who is not a bender has shoes on. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I was that's like, a nice oh, that's detail. an interesting detail. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I remember seeing like a bonus feature where like, I think Brian was like talking mm-hmm. about them. Yeah, that they wanted to show that like, just because you might have had a bending parent or parents like doesn't mean that you automatically become one. Mm-hmm. And then if they're like identical twins, that means that their DNA. Yeah, it's like pretty much yeah. the same. Yeah, right. So then it's obviously not like a genetic thing that's keeping one from being a bender and one from not. Yeah. Just like an interesting world building thing. Yeah. Their names are Poi and Ping. All right. <laughs> And they're one of five pairs of twins seen in either series, including, like, Korra. Huh. However, they're the only pair to consist of a bender and non-bender. I want to look up Poi's name. So, like, the volcano sounded familiar, and it's, like, named after one of the volcanoes in Hawaii. Yeah. Me. And then I know that Poi is, like, a native Hawaiian food where it's, like, mushed up yeah. vegetable. So I wonder if there was, mm. like, some inspiration from mm. the Hawaiian islands in this episode. Sounds like it. Yeah. I feel like I didn't get that vibe just from watching it, like nothing in like the mm-hmm. architecture or anything. But yeah, hearing you lay out all the names like that um, definitely sounds like that. Because like, yeah, like Mount Ma- Makapu, Makapu. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I keep forgetting. The one in Hawaii has like, it's like a ends with UU, but with the apostrophe in between. So that's like a stop. Uh-huh. Makapu'u, like that. Oh. They right. It in this, so they say Makapu or something. Yeah. Yeah. Makapu'u, I think. Yeah, that one lady says it once Yeah, yeah. in the episode. I was surprised, not surprised, like he looked really young when mm-hmm. they were first introduced. But then when he like bends, like I like forgot they show him bending in the episode. I was like, oh, he's mm-hmm. like a really good bender. Mm. Yeah. And like they had a couple other shots of some earthbenders when they mm-hmm. were like digging the trenches. Yeah, that was a good idea. Yeah, it was. That Sokka came up with. Um, cause that's like a thing that they actually do in real life. Oh yeah. Is like build. Well, when I was living in Japan, I lived in a town with an active volcano and they have like these pads that lava can go down to enter the lake instead of destroying the town. Or like, it's probably not just lava, but also for landslides and yeah, like stuff that they and can, mud. yeah. Um, if they can direct it some way, but it does go into the lake. Shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's something that's everywhere, but it made me think of those, like, I don't even know what to call them. Like a trench, right? Like I guess. a trench, I guess, yeah, that come down from the mountain yeah. towards the lake. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, similarly to this town that's built right at, like, the base of a volcano, there's, like, mm-hmm. an entire um, resort area <laughs> along the lake where I was mm-hmm. living. Yeah. So... They need to do what they can. Yeah. But they don't rely on a fortune teller. They rely on seismic readings to tell them when they need to get out. Science. Score one for science. science. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was funny watching. I think they, there was a shot of, like, Appa, like, pushing some dirt along. And, of course, there were people with shovels. There were some yeah. vendors and stuff. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, it was simultaneously nice watching everybody come together. And then I was also like, if Toph was here, she would have had this done in like five moves, you know? Like, I was just like, (laughs) damn, like, she's so strong. Yeah. Even Momo helped. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was so cute. He like dropped the rock. Mm -hmm. And then like simultaneously, Miko was just like, he's so useless. And I was like, look at him being so helpful. (laughs) It's like two opinions. He's doing the best he can. I said that too. I was like, Momo is doing the best he can with what he can do. Like, back off. Okay. I guess Momo understood from context because clearly, no, he doesn't understand humans. So I guess <laughs> right. that's all everyone's doing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh man. Momo, it, he is interesting, like when they choose to like lean into him being smart and like aware of the, the situation at hand and when he's mm-hmm. like just an animal. Yeah. 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 Well, the last episode, he knew Katara wanted something. <laughs> he just didn't know what. <laughs> So he brought back every possible thing except for water. the thing. The thing, yeah. The oh thing that gosh. she already has. Why would he yeah. need to bring her water? She always has that. <laughs> oh, and that's like, like cute logic. And the context clues, everybody's moving rocks. Yes. Yeah. I will also move rocks. <laughs> He's just like, if I move this, maybe I'll get a treat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only reason my dog does anything. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll be rewarded with food. You never know. Yeah. Um, speaking of their whole plan, that line at the end when Sokka's like, sometimes I forget like how powerful of a bender Aang is. And I was like, you know what? Me too, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like you kind of forget like exactly how powerful he is. Mm. You know, in your brain, you know, like he's the avatar. He's a master airbender. But then when you actually see him do like these amazing feats mm. of bending. Yeah. You're like, oh, Wow, he could probably, like, wreck people if he wanted to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to forget how strong of an airbender he already mm-hmm. is, too. It gets overshadowed by him just being the Avatar. Yeah, right. And it's like, yeah, like, even just as a, a master airbender at 12 is, like, so impressive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, like, the first time Katara, like, saw him as, like, a human. Not even just, like, maybe <laughs> I know that sounded really mean, but like, I feel like in a a previous episode, we were talking about how we kind of felt like she kind of put him on a pedestal often as the Avatar, Mm -hmm. and she would always like out him to people and be like, he's the Avatar, he's the Avatar, it's your duty, and she'd sign him up for like bullshit side quests, like Nicole said Mm -hmm. in a previous episode. I feel like this was a moment where like, seeing him that way, like, somehow, like, ironically, like, made him more human to her, but also, of course, in the context of her being told that her future husband is going to be a powerful bender, for her to see Mm -hmm. him as a man or, like, a boy and not just, like, a cute Momo-like creature that she's, like, fond of, you know? Yeah. Where she's like, oh, shit, like, he's a person. And it was just like, oh, it's nice to see this, like, keep happening with her and him, especially, like, knowing, of course, they do get together. Yeah. Right. And she does have grandkids. Although I think they were talking about great great grandkids in the yeah. prediction. But Yeah. She'll she will pass in her sleep after her third great grandchild. Yo, I was like not excited to hear that. Again, I just started watching Cora because it just came out on Netflix and old grandma Cora's there and she's seeing her grandkids and I was just like, I don't like this. Or I said Cora met guitar, obviously. Yeah. Um Well she still has time. Her yeah, oldest grandchild still young. is still pretty young. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there is. A, well, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil Cora stuff. Okay, let's. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> like in three years. Three in two years. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like this episode, like you were saying, it really changed the way that Katara looks at Aang. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like an important step forward in their relationship. Like he already decided that he likes her from like. Probably the minute they saw her. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, she never even thought of him. I, I mean, I guess I, I see what you're saying about thinking of him as a person. Yeah. Um, But especially she'd never thought of him as like a potential romantic interest. Yeah. I feel like that's what I meant. I feel like at most yeah. maybe she saw him as like a little brother type. Yeah. Right. And now she's like, oh, wait, he like fits that description. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she would have come to that realization, though, if she didn't talk to Aunt Wu. Because she was already in her head, like, you're gonna get with a powerful bender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I think, like, she probably wouldn't have had the realization of it being a possibility so quickly. Mm. 
Plus, like, they haven't known each other for, like, super long yeah. at this point. Yeah. And he is younger than her, which I think is going to keep him, like, out of her, like, you Radar. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, initially. But maybe if she hadn't heard that from Aunt Wu, maybe as they got older, that would change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think that this necessarily affected how she feels about Aang romantically. Yeah. It just, I like, think it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. Because even as the show goes on, she's not, like, super into him mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. Maybe it would have taken longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I want to say that I'm curious to see how it would develop, but I'm not. But it'll be in the mm-hmm. back of my head. <laughs> just knowing that yeah. it kind of started here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it doesn't even register on Sokka's radar. And apparently, you know, he's super aware of all the things with the ladies and he can't even tell his like (laughs) closest male friend is in love with his sister. What's so funny is he was making fun of Aang for like being in love with her before that, where he's like, oh, smoochy, smoochy, somebody's in love. And then when Aang is like trying to talk to him saying like, I kind of like somebody. Oh, I know who you mean. And it's Mang, and I'm like, where are you getting that from? Yeah. Oh man. Oh, yeah. Again, Sokka. Sometimes his instincts are great. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> It'd be like that. It do be like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Just because I looked it up, and I actually think it's really interesting, so I want to share. So, like the type of fortune telling that Aunt Wu does with Aang. Mm-hmm is like an actual form of divination they used in ancient China with like Mm. oracle bones. Yeah. But they would use the shoulder bones from like ox or turtle shells. Um, And the actual way that you would do it is they would write on the bone what kind of question they had. And then like those bones, because they still are left. It's, I think, the oldest body of Chinese script that exists. Oh, wow. Is like this. Yeah. Um, And it's a certain type of script that then developed into like the seal script, which I find it very interesting. But so they would write on the bones and then heat them and then read the patterns of the cracks to determine the answer Mm. of the question. And then they would write the prophecy or the fortune on the bone. And then they like kept them. And then that's why there's such a big body of that writing. Yeah. And then I didn't write down notes that much but um they said over time then they started to use ink Mm -hmm. to write on the bones but then that would deteriorate so then they have less things that um lasted from then but the ones that are like carved into the bone yeah they still have a bunch of them so yeah that's a real thing yeah yeah I feel like I remember learning about that and then I thought I wasn't sure if it was like the oracle at Delphi in Greece but it makes more Mm -hmm. sense that it would be like based on an Asian Mm -hmm. country like China Mm -hmm. yeah And there are even, like, characters in Chinese that developed because of this type of divination. Mm -hmm. There's a character for, um, I only know what it means in Japanese, which is not useful, but... (laughs) I mean, uh, I I feel like a lot of the times they are pretty similar. Yeah, but it means, like, sign or trillion is how it's used now. But it was, like, based on a pictograph of the cracks that would appear in the tortoise shells. Oh, cool. After they were put on the fire. Um, so I just think it's really cool. And I suggest everyone to look it up. There's a lot of information about it out there. Yeah. We'll like DIY our own with chicken bones from Popeye's. Let's do it. <laughs> I had Popeye's. It was very exciting. So I had, I had Popeye's this week too. Oh my God. <laughs> no, but Stephanie only had Popeye's for the first time like a month ago. Yeah, that's true. <gasps> I had never had it before. You have to make up a lot of lost time. Yeah. Wow. So now I've only ever had it twice in my life. Did you eat the sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yay. The first time I got it, my mom also had never really had Popeyes. This is this shouldn't go in the episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> and we also got the rice. Uh, yeah, the, the Cajun straw. rice. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I was I was heartbroken when Stephanie mentioned she'd never had Popeyes. Like I'm someone like every year when I'd go to Seagraph or when I'd go to California, I would purposely schedule my layover flight to the Dallas Fort Worth airport because I knew there was a Popeyes in the airport <laughs> and then get on the next flight. That's oh my god. I want Popeyes again. I know, me too now that we're talking it's about. So it. Bad. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we should uh order some Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> Carve some questions into the tiny little chicken bones. Moment of fire. Post the results on the blog. Sounds great. Yeah, definitely. 
I'll look up the old script. Uh, <laughs> yes. You totally we'll like a five minute DIY. Yeah. <laughs> five minute craft. <laughs> oh my God. No. Uh, anyway. And then um, the other type of fortune telling we saw was palmistry, which I think everybody like knows about. Yeah. It's like pretty universal, I think. I've mm-hmm. looked into that in like, like several points in my life in the past and I feel like um I always got freaked out with by what was on my hand and I don't know if that was I don't know like what's up with it but I think that like I I don't like palmistry at all Mm. because of just the way my hands are (laughs) yeah I feel like that one's more unpleasant because it's like so unchanging yes Mm, it's like no matter what whoever you go to like your palm reading's probably gonna be the same like Assuming they kind of have a similar, they come from a similar school of thought, maybe? Yeah. Or yeah. According to Wikipedia, it said that there's a lot of conflicting interpretations mm. of what the different lines mean. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's, I mean, it makes sense that it wouldn't all be the same. Yeah. It's not real. It's not yeah. like a science. But it's, um, I feel like in general, it's, it's just like how different religions and mythologies were developed. Like the thing mm-hmm. I always think is interesting, it's like how dragons exist in so many different cultures. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like independently of each other, where it's right. like there's no reason to assume that like palm reading and fortune telling and different things like that, of course, don't mm-hmm. have s- different origins in different parts of the world. Yeah. Right. I saw one interesting thing on Wikipedia was like, there's different types of element hands that you can have Mm. i don't remember the things but i remember from the descriptions i apparently have fire hands (gasps) yo but i'm definitely not fire nation so or like a firebender (laughs) i'm also what i saw i don't know if it was a tweet or something someone's like yo white people be like what kind of bender would i be and they're like you don't exist (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> well, like, that's, I wouldn't. That's true though. Yo. Canonically. Uh oh. Canonically, I'm not there. So Whoops, me neither. Is it relevant? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Oh my god. Anyway. But apparently I have fire hands because my the, I, uh, the only thing I remember is why. It's because my palm length is like longer than my finger length. Oh. Just send that to us. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll send I'll find more information about it. I feel like I didn't like mine and I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> this is stupid. I feel like, you know, these are things that like aren't real and they don't really matter, but it's, I find it so fun. It's just, it's the same reason we always were, it was always fun figuring out like Hogwarts houses or Digimon partners or Pokemon starter. It's just, this mm-hmm. is, it's all just fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's why everybody loves taking personality quizzes because yeah. you just want someone to tell you about yourself. I'm looking at mm, sometimes you just really need to know what kind of onion you are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bother looking up the cloud interpretation thing. Oh, just, yeah. But I'm sure that's like real. Oh, I really loved the animation when Aang and Katara were flying and Appa was yes. like his flying was so joyful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was so excited and happy, and I was just like, low key, like, "Yo, Appa's doing all the work." Let's be real. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> signal the Death Eaters. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, guys, this is very alarming. Like, you don't realize what you're doing right now. Yeah, it was funny how so many of the symbols were so unrelated, and then like uh-huh. the Doom symbol is the skull, yeah, and it's just like that's a little, that's a little on the nose, Avatar. <laughs> As a side note, I appreciated the uh, continuity in this, where Aang was like, clouds are made of water and air. And I'm like, oh, using knowledge that you learned in the winter solstice part one, the spirit world, huh, Aang? (laughs) (laughs) It was fun to see the joint bending. Yeah. We get to see like a few more examples of it, I think, during the show of like combining the elements this one was fun. And then this this was an episode two where I remember Miko was confused. Like, he's like, how does the saddle stay on? And I remember in the art book, so the way that Appa's saddle is put on, they don't just like flop it on and there's no like harnesses or anything. Like he doesn't wear like a belt or something that goes around his waist. There's mm-hmm. actually holes along the sides of the harness of the saddle. And they actually have to braid his hair through the saddle. So, like, if you look at the the art book explained it. That can't yeah. be comfortable. 
No, I'm like, that doesn't sound comfortable. And that's also like, that does not allow for quick escapes. If they don't, if he, if they take the saddle off, it's because it's like, it takes time to braid his fur into the saddle, into yeah. like these multiple holes along it to like tie it to him. Huh. I guess I've, they don't take it off of him very often, do they? They do and they don't. I feel like there's times where Aang, like he airbends and he, they make a show of like taking it off of him and then he kind of mm-hmm. flops over or something. Yeah. Um. But I mean, they yeah. don't really like, it never becomes like a plot point or an issue of like them yeah. like escaping because the saddle's not secure or anything really. But it was just like an interesting thing because that was, this was like the first time where like Miko was like, how are they not falling off? And I'm like, well, Aang's an airbender, but like, because like, yeah, he like flies and he like tilts sideways and mm-hmm. he's unhappy. Yeah. And then the only the only other bending we see other than like we see, saw that moment, of course, and then we saw the earthbenders and then there's like that final mm-hmm. airbending move when he like just like blows all the lava <laughs> solid. Yeah, very cool. Like it probably would have been so easy for Aang just to glide up to the top of that volcano, but mm-hmm. he made Sokka yes! like, climb up it with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I wrote it down as from like the slightly different viewpoint where I was like, wow, Sokka is like a ride or die friend. He's climbing this whole mountain that Aang can just jump up <laughs> just to support him. I didn't even think about that. I also did not. I just was like, they're bored. Like, what are they doing in this town? Like, Katara's the fortune telling. Sokka's like mad at everybody. So he's just like, sure, I'll come with you to get the panda flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there was anything else that I wrote down. I mean, like Meng's comment about uh, Katara having manageable hair. I, I related to that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Avatar extras said, like, Meng's hair looks like Momo's ears. And I was like, that's so rude. Oh <laughs> that poor girl. Oh, and that she had just recently lost one of her front teeth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was cute. Her, like, little tooth gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked her. She was cute. Yeah. Did this episode advance the plot at all? I felt like nothing really happened. No, right? Like, this is... I'd say I no. think, because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, is this filler? Because I feel like it's an episode that people point at as being filler a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think it, like, develops Aang and Katara's relationship. Yeah. Or, like, I don't want to say develops because it doesn't really, but it is a turning point for the way that Katara looks at at Aang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also I think it raises interesting questions about destiny in terms of like Aang's destiny is to take part in this fight but like what Aunt was says to him at the end yeah which I think is the lesson you're kind of supposed to take from the episode is that like you can shape your own destiny mm-hmm. that's true uh, yeah we talked about this in the Great Divide like every episode teaches some sort of lesson but I think this mm-hmm. really, I don't know I feel like Aang and Kara's relationship I don't think it's like yeah. contingency to finish the series right like and yeah, need a romantic interest in order to fulfill his mm-hmm. destiny as that. No, mm-hmm. no, it's like a fun, light, fluffy episode. Yeah, but there is character development, and I think it's also like a nice breath of fresh air after the last two episodes were so heavy. Yeah, kind of, and like more plot focused. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like not trying to be mean about it, but I was while I was watching this, and again, it was definitely partly because I had just finished editing The Great Divide, where Mm -hmm. I was like, The Great Divide, I think we kind of agreed, was probably like the most cuttable episode of the entire series. And then I Mm -hmm. felt bad, but I was like, oh, I almost feel like this would probably be like the second most cuttable Mm. episode. And again, it's not for like the the same reason. Like I do kind of agree with what you were saying before, Abby, where I I did kind of feel like the quote lesson at the end of this episode was constantly not contradicted throughout it, but it was like, and you could argue that, like, yeah. the, you know, we always go back to the guy in the red shoes where his his choosing to wear the shoes every day was technically him taking control of his destiny mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on what she said. But, like, still mm-hmm. taking control. Like, he still made the choice to wear them every day. He didn't have to. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like you could extrapolate and it's like, yeah, that applies to a lot of the previous examples. But I feel like there were so many that were just, like, fact. Like, it's going to rain the, the town's not going to be destroyed, you know, that were like, mm-hmm. again, like, yeah, they controlled the town not being destroyed. Right, right. But it didn't feel as like building up to the lesson, quote, and not that they yeah. all need to have a lesson, but like they tend to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then even that guy in the beginning, like she said he was going to have a safe journey. And then he did because yeah, the gang showed up and scared away the platypus bear. And it's like, what would have happened if they hadn't shown up? Mm hmm. You know, because then Sokka's like, well, she was wrong. You didn't have a safe journey. He's like, uh, but I'm not dead. So obviously yeah. I did. Yeah. 
It was funny how they all were shouting different bear avoidance tactics oh, at yeah. him. <laughs> and he just like ignored them. Mm-hmm. I wondered about Play that. Dead. Like, can't you see that he's fine? Like, yeah. <laughs> For like reasons you don't understand. Yeah. Like, he yeah. is fine. <laughs> I don't need your unsolicited advice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. This episode does get pointed at as being more filler mm-hmm. and like unnecessary overall. Mm-hmm. But I like it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. And uh, I said it already where it like develops their relationship a little bit more. Yeah. And there's a quote unquote lesson. Yeah. yeah. In it. So let's move on. Who's uh, everybody's MVP? Sokka. Aang. Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Nicole? Um, I don't know. Maybe the fish that mocks them in the beginning. (laughs) 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 You know, it really did have a very taunting face. I also picked Aang. He saved everybody's butts. Yeah, he's so cute. (laughs) He is very cute. I love Aang. Oh, man. Yeah. I love everybody. It's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay, how about any favorite moments or lines? I said it before. I really just like the the scene of... Aang and Katara bending the clouds, mm-hmm. which is like cute, and the animation was really fun. Yeah, um, I liked when Sokka stretched out on the cushions with his bare feet, lounging around, eating bean curd puffs. I was like, this is very relatable. This is basically what I would be doing right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I like the scene after Aang was eavesdropping on Katara's first reading. He told Sokka mm-hmm. that he went to the bathroom. So he came back happy. And then Sokka said, oh, you're so happy to come back from the bathroom. And then Aang is like, oh, yeah, I would love to tell you what happened. He's like, I don't need to know what happened in the bathroom. Yeah. And he's like, I had a really good poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to know oh, this, Aang. <laughs> oh. I think we mentioned it before, but one of my favorite lines is like, can your science explain why it rains? <laughs> He's like, yes! Yes, <laughs> yes it can! Uh, believe science, kids. <laughs> yes. Science is important. Please. Oh, man. Please. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I didn't think we would need to argue for science in 2020, but. <laughs> or the post office, but. <laughs> or the, here we are. But this is our reality. Um. <laughs> Oh, let me give a shout out to how, despite the fact that the gang is constantly struggling to have food to eat, when Sokka gets his hand on that fish, he went for sibling teasing over keeping the fish, and I appreciate that. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Dedication. Worth it. (laughs) Not wrong. All right. And then, uh, sadly, Zuko is not (laughs) present in this episode. All right. So the honor count is still at four. Womp womp. Womp womp. But he'll be back. Bato. Literally in the next episode, so it's all mm. good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I guess that's it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Join us next week when we discuss Book 1, Chapter 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a rating. You can also check out podsingsay.com for our latest updates. Thank you for listening.